Welcome back, everyone, to the Six Figure Social Worker Podcast. It's your girl, LA. I am your Six Figure Social Worker, and I am excited to allow you to just listen in on an interview that I've done with a LISW. Her name is Jean Adelphia Long. And so, without further ado, let me welcome Jean. Hi, Jean. How are you? Hi, how are you? And hello to your audience, too. Absolutely. Thank you. And so, you know, this podcast is designed to teach you how to make a living while you're making a difference. And so today, I really want you to share with the audience um, your process of um, or to becoming a licensed independent social worker. But first, tell me, why did you go into the field of social work? Um, I originally went into the field of social work after adopting eight children from Lucas County Children's Services, and I was really wanting to get them help. And I found it uh, a difficult time trying to find someone who could, you know, reach out and help them. So I made the decision to try to figure out what social workers and therapists know. I was gonna learn it myself so I could help them and other people who need those resources. Awesome, awesome. So you got your bachelor's. What school did you get your bachelor's at? Um, Spring Arbor University. Okay, all right, Spring Arbor. And then you um, have your master's as well. Uh You got that from Spring Arbor? Yes. Okay, now, I know I did supervision with you, right? So the two-year supervision. Talk to me about your process of taking the um, exam. A lot of my listeners want to know, like, um, is the exam tricky? Um, How did you pass it on the first time? How did you prepare? You know, and talk to us about that, that whole mental challenge and the preparation of taking the test. Um... I did pass it the first time, and I was very specific in how I um, um, went about teaching myself and educating myself. So not only did I take material in, but I looked at a lot of questions that might be asked on the exam. And then I I looked at them very specifically in a very specific pattern. Okay. So what I did was... I would read the question one time through while covering up the answers. I never read. I never read the answers um, first. After I read the question one time through, I picked out all of the important words out of the question. Like, was they wrong up or not? Was it a 33-year-old? You know, where were they working? Um, Did did the question have like a first, last, or next Mm -hmm. to it? Um, and was the question a question about safety or not? Mm-hmm. And then I asked myself, what is the question actually trying to find out, mm-hmm. right? And then the order in which um, they're trying to figure it out. So if it was an issue of safety, then that would help me figure out what the answer would be. So then I would come up with what I thought the answer would be mm-hmm. before I even ever even looked at the questions because when you look at the questions they most of them sound like it could be it Mm -hmm. but if you already know ahead of time what you think the answer would be without looking at the question then it makes it really easy to pick the the answer that matched what your answer would initially be okay and that created a situation as I practiced them that made it so I was able to pass it the first time okay Okay, that's awesome. That's awesome. So what, give me, um, or the audience, three tips as it relates to preparing for the test. 
three tips. Three tips. Um, for sure, I would get some kind of manual or book or something that has the guidelines over what are the sections and what things might be covered. And then I would, I would look at those things like definitions of things, making sure you understand them, seeing if there's nothing, any concept maybe you don't understand. Um, the second is I would definitely, um, you know, do a program like you, like you have where you teach, you know, how to prepare, how to study. I think that's really important because if you don't know how to answer the questions, if you don't know how to look at them, you're going to have a difficult time because when you actually look at the actual kind of questions, there will always be two, almost always, that you're going to struggle between mm -hmm. whether you get the answer or not. And a 50-50 chance of passing is not very high percentage rates. But if you learn how to look at the question, mm -hmm. right, then you increase your chances of being able to pass it. Okay. So, and then um, practice, just look at questions and practice them. Okay. And what about the night before? Like how were you anxious the night before or what? So for sure, some of the things that I did, I, um, I, I utilize my own skills. So as a therapist, you know, we're teaching skills, so mm -hmm. we should be using skills. Right. So um, I utilized a lot of my own skills between um, my prayer, um, meditation, um, and I also had already prepared myself. So really good things going in. I chewed like peppermint, you know, mm -hmm. gum, spearmint gum. Mm -hmm. um, it can kind of help kind of awaken you. I also took peppermint essential oils and I rubbed them on my temples and I put them on my wrist so that during my exam, mm -hmm. if I was getting sleepy or a little tired, I could, I could like sniff my wrist mm -hmm. or, you know what I mean, take okay. it in there or like rub my forehead and have the peppermint essential oil, which is important in being alert and okay. awake so i utilize that as well on top of um you know prayer because you know that's a huge part of my life okay awesome awesome and so as a licensed independent social worker what type of work do you do um well right now i do um therapy with individuals who are substance use um for mental health and I'm an EMDR therapist. Talk to us about the EMDR. Yes, talk to us about that whole process. Um, so EMDR is a specific type of therapy that you have to um, um, go and receive an extra um, training for okay. to be able to become in supervision court. And it's a type of therapy that um, is effective in helping move um, trauma or traumatic experiences that can cause all sorts of symptoms that can become um, disorders like anxiety or PTSD. But it causes the trauma in the brain to be reprocessed um, so that um, an individual doesn't have the negative symptoms because of where trauma is kept in the brain. Okay. So, so um, when we have traumatic events, our brains um, uh, will activate in the limbic system that fight-flight response, mm -hmm. you know? And when our limbic system is activated, um, and we aren't able to properly deal with a traumatic event, the um, traumatic event 
um, in easier words, is kind of stuck in the limbic system. Mm -hmm. So when we experience um, new events, it has to go through our limbic system. Everything that comes in our brains goes through our limbic system because our limbic system is trying to determine whether it's safe or not. Mm -hmm. And so if we have things that are associated with a previous traumatic event mm -hmm. that goes through our limbic system and our brain says, is this safe or not? And it says it's not safe, then, then um, it increases the trauma mm -hmm. in the limbic system, which then increases the problems that we have, mm -hmm. which is why we see people with disorders. So, um, so what EMDR does is it uses bilateral stimulation, which means um, activating the right and left hemisphere, okay. because you need to activate the right and left hemisphere to be able to process um, this information, along with um, a paying attention to a traumatic event that got lodged in the limbic system. Okay. And by doing that through um, extensive training that would be hard to explain right. just in this podcast, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's able to um, cause the traumatic event to go into the cortex. Mm -hmm. And why that's important is because our limbic system has no sense of time and there's no words to it. It's why somebody who's been traumatic can be like, I don't remember when it happened. Um, I, I it's hard to explain. I don't have the words for it right. because there's no sense of time and there's no words in the limbic system. And so, um, and also why somebody can feel something so strongly ten years later of an event that happened ten years ago mm -hmm. is because there's no sense of time right. in the limbic system. So, and because there's no words, there's not that rational part of your brain. There's no sense of time. Cognitively thinking about that event, right, um, is there's usually a disconnection. But by moving it into the cortex where there's words and mm -hmm. there's, you know, our rational mm -hmm. thinking, mm -hmm. then the brain is able to process that and make sense out of it. Right. So I know that um, when you took the training, you actually had to experience. That's a part of mm -hmm. individuals being certified in right. this, right? Can you share with the audience um, a specific thing? Like, I know you're giving us these terms and everything, right? Mm -hmm. But just give us a real-life experience that you had, mm -hmm. um, something that, you know, you have been traumatized by, mm -hmm. how you use the EMDR therapy, and then the effects of it. Okay. Um, so when I, um, went to my training, um, you know, a lot of people were doing kind of minor issues mm -hmm. and got help, but for me, I, I was like, okay, if I'm going to do this and I'm going to be working with people who've got some big issues, I'm going to, mm -hmm. I'm going to do a big issue too. Okay. And so in the training, I, um, decided to do, okay, so with EMDR, you have to reprocess either a, uh, um, Within a theme, the, a first event that you could remember, a worst or a most recent, I chose the first time I could remember when I felt that I was invisible. Okay. Right? And so my negative cognition was I am invisible. And so I wanted to work on that. And my first event was when um, after my brother had molested me, um, I had gone to my father and I had told him that my brother had molested me. And my dad had said, um, that's what brothers do. And so at that time, even though I didn't say to myself, I'm invisible, it was the first time I felt like what I had said, you know what I mean, was not seen or heard. Mm -hmm. 
And so um, my brain had, you know, um, took that in as I'm invisible. So what I did is um, I utilized the EMDR to work on um, that particular trauma. And the experience was very emotional. I mean, it was um, tearful, mm -hmm. snot filled, mm -hmm. snot running down the face, yeah. you know, traumatic experience. Um, when you get to the place, I mean, even, I guess I should say this, I'm crying, it's not filled, and the therapist actually instructed her because the trainee couldn't even handle my situation. <laughs> <laughs> but the instructor had to step in, and the instructor said, what do you need now? You know, and I'm like, I need a knife, you know? She's like, you know, you kind of, so we just roll with it, and there's some techniques that she used. Until the memory was able to get to the point where it became neutral and I was okay. Mm -hmm. Not numb, not that it was okay that what happened, mm -hmm. but it was no longer bothering me like it did to bring me to all those tears, right? right? right. So, you know, on a scale of zero to ten, if I was a ten, I became a zero. Okay. You know, neutral. Okay. okay. Then when you become neutral and when I became neutral, then I thought about the same event and I thought about being visible. I am visible. And say that again. So I connected the event, right? That same memory that once made me feel invisible. And I connected it with I am visible. Okay. And so. By connecting the two and utilizing the bilateral stimulation, it caused me to, now when I look back on that event, I don't feel that. I don't feel what I used to feel. Mm -hmm. I don't feel my tight chest, you know, I don't feel that sickness in my stomach. I don't feel like that feeling like it made me sad or sick when I look at it mm -hmm. because it's become neutral. Right. I don't even feel like I'm invisible. Right. In fact, by doing it, I felt like I was more visible. Mm. So even though nothing else had changed, right? It's not like anything changed right. except for that EMDR session. Um, the way I thought about myself changed, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. yes. And how I could tell that is because instead of allowing some things to go unaddressed and not being assertive, Right? right? Now I was more able to be assertive right. because it made sense if you feel like you're visible, you can be assertive. Right, right. But if you feel like you're invisible, you're less likely to do it. Absolutely. That's awesome. That is amazing. And I thank you for sharing that vulnerable moment. Mm -hmm. You know, um, but one of the things I love about you is that even as a therapist, you recognize the importance of getting therapy. Absolutely. You know, and talk to us about that. Like when you find yourself like in a stuck place, mm -hmm. what do you normally do? Um, well, besides my coping skills mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and my resources, I have my own personal therapist. So because trauma doesn't stop happening to us, mm -hmm. our brains are still encountering traumatic events. We still have things happening to us. And because of that, I don't. I know the power of that getting stuck in my limbic system, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. I know the power of not processing information. And so I'll call up my therapist and I'm like, I need a session. And then I, I work it out. Mm -hmm. And I work it out in a way that I know is gonna help. <laughs> not just a, uh, you know, 
a vetting session with my girlfriend, but mm. in a way that I know is going to help move along the information and move me forward and keep me from falling backwards as well. Um, so I do that for myself, but as a professional too, there's like a secondary gain from doing it because I also get to see how someone else does their therapy. Mm -hmm. I also get to see from their perspective things that they can give to me, mm -hmm. right? So I can see um, there might be something that I don't know that they know. And by learning something they give me, I can also utilize right. that information. Yes, yes. That is awesome. That is amazing. So I am so excited about you know your progress and your success in the field of social work but i know one of the things that my audience want to know are you making a living while you're making a difference because <laughs> <laughs> at the end of the day all these techniques are good right but are you hungry like are you able to feed your family yes i'm able to feed my family <laughs> i'm not um i'm not um starving or um for sure um, I have a beautiful, you know, lifestyle and a lifestyle that a lot of other people don't have. You know, I've had trips to Costa Rica and Europe mm -hmm. and Thailand. I have a beautiful house and, uh, you know, re I guess if money, you know what I mean, mm -hmm. buys a ridiculous amount of things, right. then yeah, you know, I got my timeshare in the whole nine yards. Right, so. right. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. What is something, just give us something that would encourage the audience, like those who may feel like they chose a the wrong field, right? Chose the wrong field and mm -hmm. going into social work. Those who feel unappreciated or mm -hmm. um, looked over, invisible, if you will, at their place of employment. You know, what words right. of encouragement will you give them? significant um, and even if you can't see it uh, uh, it doesn't mean that it's not it doesn't mean that it's not there um, just like when we plant a seed right and we develop a plant or a fruit tree or a rose bush from it you know or whatever it may be um, we don't always get to see the end result but somebody has to do the planning Somebody has to do the gardening to be able to reap it. And that's, that's really what you do. Um, on top of that, if you are hurting, right? If you are in need, if you are feeling bad about you, right? Which is, um, you know, if there's some kind of brokenness in you, then please get your own help too. Mm -hmm. Because... Um, you can make yourself on the outside look good, mm -hmm. right? Yes, yes. You can look beautiful, like, I know we're looking right now, mm -hmm. you know? <laughs> um, you can have a nice car and a nice house mm -hmm. and the timeshare and you can have your six figures. Right. But none of that matters if inside of right. you, you're hurting yes. and broken, feeling Absolutely. invisible and unimportant. I love that. Absolutely. Absolutely. So thank you, Jean. So thank you guys once again for listening to the Six Figure Social Worker Podcast. Again, it's your girl, LA. I am your Six Figure Social Worker. Stay tuned for next week's episode. Um, I would 
would definitely say that you're not, um, you're not unimportant. Okay, everyone, thank you for tuning in. I wanted to give you this opportunity to connect with me through our text messaging group. And if you are interested, you can text the word you change to 797979. That's the letter U C H A N G E to the numbers 797979. That way you'll be aware of our free webinars. You'll be aware of CEU opportunities if you're in the Ohio area, as well as other things that I do in order to create multiple streams of income, doing social work things, not being a landlord or a fitness trainer or this, you know, nothing against that, but this podcast is designed to teach you as social workers how you can use your passion and your skill in the field of social work to make six figures. That's what this is designed to do. So again, it's your girl, LA. I am your six-figure social worker, and I look forward to connecting with you. And you can also send me an email to lashana at youchangellc.com. This information will be in the um, information section of this podcast. And you can also visit our website at youchangellc.com. Thank you.